This is a journey into sound. I know what you pico, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. Hey, this is Mark Osagata from Death Angel, and you're listening to MSR Cast. Only the best, only the heaviest. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to episode 154 of MSR Cast. I am your host. I am Carrie Metal Geek, Carrie G, artist formerly known as Evil C, all of them. And I have a very special guest with me this evening, continuing our new music of 2014 even though we're more than halfway through the year it's the metal pigeon himself mr sean hey hello how are you doing man pretty good thanks for coming back on the show we've um i really got a a couple things before we get started uh the last episode that i released was episode 152 which was our well we did the episode that was our new releases of 2014 part one that was episode 152. Then I accidentally released a second episode 152, which was my Hellstar interview, instead of episode 153. So we're technically at episode 154 now, even though <laughs> even though I did a little fucking up a little bit. But whatever. It happens. Are you okay with that, man? I'm fine. Okay. I, I just wonder if someone's going to call you out on it. Uh, well, I just called myself out, so no need okay. to call me out now. <laughs> It was my fuck up. No, oh well. I'm sorry. Forgive me? Fair. Thank you. So, we have lots of fucking great music that's come out already this year, man. And too much. Too much. There's way too much music. Um, we're in, in the middle of summer now, and I haven't even had time to catch up with everything. Well, just well, right there, just we're in the middle of fucking summer. All right. This year just started. I could swear it just started, and it's already July 6th. I've already seen articles, you know, the best of 2014 already. It's like the the, the half year in review half already. Year reviews, yeah. I, I'm not oh a my fan God. of those. They're interesting. I just don't want to, I mean, like, for the, for the Metal Pigeon blog, I never do those. Just because, well, you know, there's too much to catch up with. I mean, it's the middle of the year, and you haven't even uh, listened to, like... All the stuff that I'm, you know, that you're backlogged on for months and months. So I agree, man. And there's been so much, you know, other geeky stuff that's been occupying my time this year. Um, oh yeah, know, it's just it's been a crazy year so far. Well, spring was hard because okay, there were all those great power metal records that came out, but yeah. the biggest thing was, you know, I had like, I don't know, Game of Thrones on and. <laughs> And then just, like, I mean, I was watching the NBA Finals, and I know that, you know, that's a sports thing, but hey, I'm, you know, it it took up a lot of my time. So times where I was supposed to be listening to albums and and thinking about things and stuff I was actually spending consuming instead of creating, so... um, You you brought up this point earlier, do you think um, seasons, like, it's summertime now, do you think seasons maybe, you know, dictate what we listen to, and, you know, with our moods and preferences? That's a huge thing for me, at least... I know for for my sake, I tend to zone out on death metal and black metal and extreme metal of any kind during the summer, and I don't know why that is. It's, it's always been that way ever since I've been a metal fan. I just go back to more 
you know, power metal, just traditional heavy metal, and, and even just like hard rock in the summer. It just seems to to fit the season better, and um, I that kind of screws me up in a way because it's like ah, I'm supposed to be listening to the new Triptychon album. I just don't really want to right now. I mean, I can know it's going to be good. I know I, all the reviews I've seen have been really good, and I'm and I have it. I just haven't. I've just given it like a a, a pass through, and I haven't really been able to to get into the mood because you have to be in the mood to listen to that stuff. I'm not you do. I'm, at least for me. I'm I'm not that kind of person that like all I listen to is the most extreme stuff. Like that guy who woke up who was uh, in that metal headbangers uh, journey documentary who said that he wakes up and listens to Slayer and Testament every morning. I'm not that guy. So uh, this leads me to our first track of the evening, which is, you, you said you don't listen to a lot of death metal, so you hadn't heard this release yet. I am really hooked on the brand new Septic Flesh album. The, the album's called Titan, and we're actually going to play the title track called Titan, but oh my god, man. And don't, don't take this out on me, but I never really heard the band. I always heard the name, and I was like, oh, it's, you know, this is going to be your normal death metal you know grind quarry band right holy crap these guys you know i heard them a little a while back the last album and just in preparation to hear this new the brand new album and i think they become one of my favorite bands of this year so far this album is it it's become one of my favorite albums so far it's brutal it's death metal don't get me wrong there but they they try so many different it's stylistic. musical. It's, it's, it's really musical. It's musical. It's it's like um, they, it's like taking your the the best portion of like Demi Borgir, death metal, and like you know symphonic you know orchestra music from like a movie. Like you know, and and it works so well there's, together. There's going to be that listener that's going to tune out as soon as you said Demi Borgir. Oh well, and they've already clicked the file. But, but here's the thing: for those who are still listening. It's almost like a rotting Christ situation, and I, I when you when you asked me the other day if I had heard Septic Flesh, I knew I heard the name, and I was like, oh yeah, they're just like a death metal band, and you told me no, 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 they're you know it's it's really really good, and when I heard what you were playing tonight, uh, it the first thing that got in my mind was like, oh, this is like a rotting Christ type situation where it's 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 a name that will throw you off the yeah. music is extremely musical and complex and very progressive i mean that's the, kind of the key word i'm zoning in on is progressive they just do a lot of different things and it's not just death metal it's something more than just death metal the and, vocals are definitely death metal oh yeah and, yeah but there's some melancholy you know guitar work this the, the melodies they get out of their mixed with like some of the the orchestration that they use it, it really works well together I want to see these guys live and see what if they can pull it off live. Really, are they touring? They are touring. Oh, yeah, they, they come in this way. Um, nobody ever comes this way, but they are touring. Yeah, I know they're playing in L.A. very soon, and uh, I'm not really sure though. Hmm. But nobody ever plays Houston. Hey, speaking you know. of tours, I, I wanted to bring this up because it's kind of a big deal, and it's kind of a big deal for two reasons. Um, but on Saturday, um, Maiden did the Sonosphere Festival in, in England and I didn't realize this that was the they've been touring Maiden England that <laughs> tour for three years wow like I saw that tour back in 2012 yeah 2000 yeah something like that yeah 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 I was there and I thought like oh this is that was like the last leg of the tour but they they've they've been going till now and I just there's a big part of me that just goes 
Did you really need to tour Maiden England for three years? Wasn't one summer enough? I mean, what about a new album? You know, it's been, you know, four years already. Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been four years, and it's going to be probably five or maybe even, dare I say, six, you know, if, if, if it goes till 2016 before they release a new studio album. Well, now that the tour is over, maybe they'll get back in the studio. And you know they've been writing shit during their off time, and they've, they've had to have something going on in, the, in their mind, See, you know? See, my, my feeling is that Bruce has been working on a solo album during the off mm. times from the tour dates. Um, because he was seen in a, in a recording studio in at Los Angeles with Roy Z, and there's only one reason he would be there with Roy Z. That's true. And I hope Tattoo that that's Millionaire true. Millionaire Part 2. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally go for that. But I, I hope <laughs> that's true, that there is a Bruce Solo album there. But, you know, like Maiden just doesn't strike me as that kind of band that writes on tour. In fact, I think they've said so themselves. They they tend to do one thing or the other. Right. And I don't. I mean, I I love the Maiden England tour. It was a great set list. It was a great show. It was the best seats I've ever had at an Iron Maiden show. And I hate that I have to have seats at an Iron Maiden show. I wish I could just stand in the field like Europeans and South Americans. But um, unfortunately, they play a venue with uh, really crappy bolted-in seats here. But <laughs> yeah, they did. It was still a great show. It was a it was a perfect set list. I just don't. I three years. Come on. And I, and I know that's like kind of nitpicking, like, like oh you're you're bitching about Iron Maiden doing a great set list for three years, yeah, because I like their new albums and I I just kind of want them to get back to it. It's it almost reminded me of uh, a couple months ago I wrote an article that was criticizing Metallica for just touring forever, touring forever, never doing, never actually stopping to write new music. And I do you think really that, want them to write new music though? I would like, yeah, because I, I, I always want to see them redeem themselves. Like, okay. I just I always want to see the, the past 15 years of the erased, you know? So speaking of touring, uh, we mentioned that Septic Flesh is, is touring, and the, the tour is actually going on right now. It's called the Conquerors of the World Festival Tour. So hopefully they'll be coming down here sooner, but it ends July 12th, which is very, very soon, and they're touring... Was another band that had flesh in their name, Flesh God Apocalypse. They're both it's a co-headlining tour, which is really cool. Yeah. So Septic Flesh God Apocalypse. I make them into one band. I don't know uh, that much about Flesh God Apocalypse. It's another band I think you'd be very pleasantly surprised by as well. Huh. Okay. So uh, without further ado, let's get into Septic Flesh. This is the title track off the brand new album Titan. This is Titan.
Hey, you were just listening to Crowbar, Symmetry in White, from the album Symmetry in Black. Ah, I see what they did there. And I hope we got that right, otherwise. No, that is correct. Okay, good. Yeah, brand new Crowbar album came out the end of May. Uh, the album is called Symmetry in Black. I'm digging the hell out of this new Crowbar, man. Ah, cool. It's really, really... It's, they've always had that great heavy sludge style to them, but... yeah. Unfortunately, I missed him on this last tour, but man, um, Kirk Winstein he always puts out a fucking great, great albums, and he produced this album too. So, that's a band that I always wished I could enjoy more than I have. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I just Sludge is a hard one for me. I, yeah, but you can't really. Okay, they're Sludge in nature, but I've always looked at them more. They're Sludge Doom. They have like. It's it's doomy, but through a sludge filter. Filter, yeah. yeah it's and his vocal. He does some new new vocal styles on this album. Um, there's no Dreamweaver cover, unfortunately, which is sad <laughs> to say. But it's a really really good album, man. And I hope I missed them the last time they came. They were here recently in Houston, and I missed it. But hopefully where, they'll come back. Where they play out of curiosity? I, I don't remember. No. Um, and I'm really into New Orleans stuff right now because I'm sort of working on this documentary about New Orleans heavy metal music and the effect of the the storms a few years ago had on the the, the metal scene there. So, huh? That's yeah, pretty it's cool. it's gonna be really cool. We're yeah. actually uh, we've done a couple interviews and filmed a couple things, and you'll be hearing more about that very very soon. Huh? I, I'm intrigued. It's called Lamentations in the Land of Lafitte. Have you interviewed uh, anyone particularly noteworthy for that one? We have interviewed a member... I don't really want to give away too much yeah. so far. But yeah, we have a lot of people lined up. We have a lot of people that have signed on. So it's going to be it's gonna be, it's gonna gonna be be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, oh, that's cool. A heavy metal documentary. Yes. Indeed. We, well, we, you know, we need more of those, too. So what did we hear before this crowbar? Ed... Ed Ed Gee, Ed, Ed G. Uh, oh, you mean Ed Guy? Oh, <laughs> I thought it was pronounced Gee. Yeah, uh, actually, the last time I was on the show, we played an Ed Guy song from this album. It yep. was the it was uh, Saber and Torch. Yeah, that's correct. It, um, we played it before the album officially came yeah, out. Yeah, actually, we, like the single had just come out that right. week, but we hadn't. Uh, I hadn't really gotten a chance. I mean, I had not listened to the album. Now I've listened to the album. This is. Okay, here's the thing about this album. It's it's really good as a just Ed Guy hard rock album. It's not an Ed Guy metal album. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things you just have to go in with that mindset of, uh, okay, you're not going to get Mandrake, you're not going to get Theater of Salvation, and that's okay. It's still a good record, and there are really good songs in there, and that the song you, you heard was... Uh, Love Tiger, obviously, it's <laughs> yeah. it, the chorus is very prominent. You, you probably much, you pretty much figured out that's the title of that song. Um, I love just the I love how goofy and catchy that song is, and I love it just for being more catchy than goofy. It's 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 got a real enthusiasm about it, and it's infectious. And no matter what you think about Tobias Samet and or his current direction, you can't just you can't deny the fact that the guy writes just these like 
earwormy type catchy songs mm-hmm. And um, I like it way better than Saber and Torch. This should have been the first single. We we posed this question, um, I guess, when we first played a song off the album. Is to me okay? To me, a lot of this album sounds very Avantage ish. Avantage ish. Was is that the right word I'm looking for? Yeah. But and and they sort of they're sort of blending into one band. You know what I mean? And I really wish that was different. No, I mean that's that's been my big criticism of him lately too. But uh, the the big thing that I think I, I'm taking away from the whole uh, the, the recent Ed Guy album is that they are they they still are, they they're still enthusiastic and they're still delivering good songs. They're not delivering like completely consistent albums. There's a couple of songs in here that are very. Uh, Spotty and the album name is Space Police. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but um, the, okay, the album name is Space Police: Defender of the Crown. They took two songs from the album and just made it the title. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, there was another song on here that I was considering playing, but it's a really, really uh, sappy kind of ballad. But I, but there's no one who does ballads better than Tobias Sam. It's called uh, Alone in Myself. It's such a mm-hmm. great. It's got this kind of gospel influenced uh, chorus and like they. The guy knows how to record background vocals like no one else, and I know that seems like a weird thing to harp on, but I love that kind of stuff. It's ear candy to me when you can hear like male and female choir vocals joined together to do like these awesome kind of foreigner. I want to know what love is type soulful <laughs> vocals. You know, I love that stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, and of course you have the Rock Me Amadeus cover, which to me sounds too much like the original to really be considered a cover. It's I don't know. Still, it's still fun, though. It I, is. Every now and then I'll get that stuck in my head. You know what song that really gets stuck in my head off this album? Uh, Do Me Like a Caveman. Yeah, that's there's a good this, song. There's like this this part of... Oh, man. It, it's, like you said, earworming. It's infectious. The the actual track, Space Police, has really got that awesome propulsive chorus, yep. too. It's it's maybe the second best song on the album. Um, and there's some weird vocal things towards the end of that song that are, yeah, quite, yeah. quite strange. Yeah, a little weird moment. Thankfully, it doesn't go on for more than like thirty seconds. I, I know what you're talking about, but even on the pro- the progressive version, even more. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's a horrible bonus track. It's, you just don't don't. I mean, I hate those types of things. Like the bonus track is just like, like oh, forty seconds extra added onto a song, and it's just like bullshit. It's not even like some. It's not even some awesome like solo right. or anything. It's just noise it's like all right and guys. speaking of iron maiden and bonus tracks england has got to be one of their best bonus tracks they've done in a long time yeah it's funny it, that's the steve harris one that right? is the steve harris song yeah it yeah. reminds me of the a long t- a couple years ago they had a track called uh the life and times of a bonus track it's kind of a, just a comedy song yep. and and the, yeah that england is just a comedy song it's funny and the, they do a they do a uh I, I hate to say it, but they do a tribute to Def Leppard on this album. Well, more specifically, they do a tribute to Hysteria from Def Leppard. Yeah. Which is uh, Aikam and Hysteria. Yeah, and I'm not a, I am not a Def Leppard fan. Yeah, well, I, I, look, I, I'll admit it. I love Hysteria. I think that album was awesome. I got a, I got a joke for you. I don't know if you've ever heard this joke. I've heard every Def Leppard joke. What ever. has nine arms and sucks? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... You know, th- those are cool things that they throw in there. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. So I, give it, me. A, it's not gonna. Look, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. The Ed Guy album. It's probably not gonna make a lot of people's even top five lists, but it was still on as far as Ed Guy albums go. It was. It was a step in the right direction from the age of the Joker. It was a lot more entertaining, a lot more yeah, a lot more in your face, and and, and it grabbed you right away. It didn't take like multiple listens like Age of the Joker did, which was the best th- you know, like I mean, the best you could hope for, really. Yeah, I mean, the heavy power is it's powerful. It's amazingly catchy, and it, and it's still metal in its roots, man. Yeah. I, uh, Tobias, in my opinion, is right there. He's in league with like musical geniuses like, you know, Peter Tactron, Devin Townsend, Michael Ogerfelt, Ackerfelt, Ogerfelt. However you want to say his name. Yeah, and and, we and he talk- doesn't get enough credit. I don't think. Yeah, no, that's true. He yeah. well, he gets a lot of criticism these. A lot days. of criticism, not enough credit. No, I don't think that. I mean, and power metal fans always kind of. Um, the, the the feeling I get is that well you can't really say anything about him from like the first seven years of the band because he was pretty much untouchable you know that was like ninety five to two thousand two he was he had just a string of just untouchable releases yeah um, some were arguable but I mean I you know freaking theater of salvation he had did the met the two the first two metal operas and. Uh, everyone knows biography, so um, yeah. I mean, the Hellfire Club was really the, the the kind of culmination of that, and then after that, it's it's been weird. But the, the you know the thing I, I mentioned last time about Tobias Salmon, and this this will be the last thing I say about him, is that even if he's spotty, even if the albums aren't perfect, you'll always get at least one or two absolute classic gems per album, and. There, not a lot of bands can do that or, or deliver that all the time. Right. You know? Yeah, there's some definitely classic, great songs that are going to be in their set list for a long time to come off this album. I guess that's all you can ask for. Yeah. So before Ed Guy, we heard Septic Flesh with the title track from the Titan release, which is blowing my mind right now. Um, just came out uh, last month. And it, yeah, go check it out, guys. I mean, the whole album is, is, is phenomenal. Very cool album art too. Very cool. Yeah, I'm. They, these guys have really shot up there in 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 my fandom just 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 by this one album. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. So um, speaking of <laughs> strange power metal, let's get into the next uh, track here. Yeah. You picked this one. I've heard the album <clears throat> Sonata Arctica. Right. Just put an album called, called Pariah's Child, and there's some great tracks on this album. But there's some weird. There's some bad weirdness. tracks on the there's album. There's some weirdness too. going on. Yeah, I re- uh, you know, it's it's been a uh, it's been a couple months since I reviewed the album. Um, but this was the 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 first song on the track listing. It was the lead off single. I, when I first heard it, I didn't like it because I think it was like um, just it was just pretty badly mixed for the music video. By the time the album came out, it was very obvious this was the absolute best song in the album. Um, there's another song on the album they made a video for called Love. It's an it's a really sappy piano ballad, but uh-huh. I like that kind of stuff as people should know by now. Um, there's that weird track on there about the the guy just talking over everything. I, oh no, I, I yeah, oh I, I, know, I hate that stuff. And so they're the and this band is one of the worst offenders at that too. And they're touring here in what was it November? 
October, November? Eight, yeah. I'm thinking about going to that, too. I will probably go to the show. Even though I've heard that they, they're, they're actually, like, not that great live. Really? Because they don't really have anything in the way of backing vocalists in that band who can deliver harmonies. Right. And that kind of sucks. Like, ah, you gotta, you gotta have someone, or at least... You know, pull a camel out and, and and bring like a female backing vocalist or like a backing vocalist in general on tour with you just to you know key in on those harmonies and stuff. Um, Couldn't agree more. He's uh, he's he's a great lyricist in certain respects. <laughs> there's a there's that song uh, right after um, it's track number two on the album. I can't remember the title right now, but he uh, he talks about like like running through red lights with this girl in his car and stuff and he he says it in a really poetic way and I was like man that's that's not a bad that's not a bad lyric and I'm I'm really big on good lyricism within metal because it's so rare and then the a couple songs later he has one of the worst lyrics I've ever heard on any Sonata song and it was it was in that song you were talking about with the guy doing his like preacher imitation his uh televangelist yeah. impersonation it, that's that's an article. Really, really, really high. Like the wolves die young, which you're about to hear, and then really just god awful nonsense. <laughs> really high points and really, really, really low points. Yeah, pretty much. So let, let's um, let's play the high point off the album. This song is called "The Wolves Die Young." In, in the- <laughs>
Welcome back, everyone, to episode 154 of MSRCast, the metal podcast that has been around for almost 10 years now. Can't believe that, man. Man, wow. And you know, you know what that makes me feel? Old? Old. Yeah. Old and crotchety. Fair. Yeah. So, um, tell me about the band we just heard. I, I have not heard this album yet. Um, Agalok. Uh, this is uh, this is you not. Have to, you, have, you need to clear your throat when you say that. Agalach. Oh yeah, Ag- Agalach. Yeah, this is uh, their first album in like four years. It's not their first release in four years. I think they had like an EP come out um, in 2012 or 2013. But the the last studio album was called The Marrow of the Spirit. It was out in. Um, 2010 and that was such a perfect album like front to back that I, I love that album so much and of course uh, yeah, I, I wasn't writing a blog at that time otherwise that would have been number one that year I think or at least competed oh, for number one yeah. uh, it was a perfect album and then and so what you realize well you know any band that's coming that's gonna f- try to follow up an album that great usually will miss the mark and I do feel like they sort of have missed the mark on this from what I've heard, um, and I, I've, I've only listened to the album like eh, about six or seven times through, it's not as aggressive as their past albums. It's a little weirder. They have a lot more spaciness to it, which I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm into. But there is some heavy stuff which you just heard um, on right. the, the Astral Dialogue. Uh, that's one of the more upfront and aggressive tracks on there. Not that heavy necessarily means good. I'm, I'm not trying to be one of those um, elitist. You know, well, those, uh, yeah, I just, you know, heavy doesn't always equal good. Just good is good. You know, good music is yeah. good music. But um, there's parts of the album where it's just like, wow, there's a lot of, like, ambient mishmash noise that doesn't really go anywhere. Mm. And I think that maybe part of that is the whole summer thing right now. <laughs> so I have, this album came out two months ago. I have not written a review for it because I've been like, I don't feel like I'm giving it enough of a fair shake. And I think I'm just going to have to shake myself out of this and grit myself through it and just try to come to a conclusion on it because um, it's it's I, I, there's quality stuff on this album. A lot of the, the really awesome parts are, you know, of course, in Agwok, they're one of those great bands, sort of like Opeth, where the really awesome, spectacular moment in the song is buried... Uh, you know, in a, in a seven-minute song, it will be buried at the five-minute 12 mark. <laughs> right. And it'll only show up one time. It's not a repeating element of the song. So you'll listen to that song just to get to that moment, that sweet spot, just to hit it. And and um, there's moments like this um, throughout the album, and you just sort of have to get a feel for uh, how, you know, I don't know, what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're into, I guess. I mean, it's... Aglock has never been an easy band to digest, but this album has the misfortune of coming on the heels of their most accessible album, which was The Marrow of the Spirit. Um, and, you know, accessible nothing. It was just their best album, so... I don't know, I'm still on the fence about it, but this is a, this was a great track from it. Uh, the one that really caught my attention right away. So... So let's, uh... Yeah, so... I'm, I'm actually interesting, interested to hear the whole album in its entirety. I heard this track, but now I want to hear, you know, 
really divest divest some time into it and really soak it in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, summertime, soak it in, you know. Yeah, and well, and, you know, six or seven times is not enough for an Agalock album. People, I, oh, here's the thing, and this is going to, I'm sorry, I'm detracting from what we're supposed to be doing, but I have to go on this little detour here because I get, like, messages sometimes or emails. I, I, some, I get, well, especially one guy emails me a lot. And he'll be like, how come you haven't written a review for the new Delane album yet? And it came out in, like, May or something. It's like, because I'm still listening to, like, all this other stuff. And I don't feel like... I don't I don't like it when you can tell that someone's only listened to an album once and they issue a review of it. Yeah. I you need hear to, that a, You see that a lot. I need... I, not, and I, and I'm, I've read so many reviews over the years. I've been reading Metal Magazine since, like, 1990-whatever. And... You can tell when someone's spent a lot of time with. I was a record. around in nineteen ninety whatever. Yeah, and and you can tell when someone's just sort of listened to an album one or two times and just dashed off an opinion, and that sucks that it happens in metal. And I feel like, you know, this is metal. We owe it to ourselves to. It's not as immediate as pop music. It's not as immediate as you know, like even like indie rock or anything. So it has to. You have to give it some time, even if it's power metal. You sort of have to give it. 10 or 15 listens before you can feel like okay now I have an idea like I will sit there and just like bore an album into my mind while I'm writing a review for it and just listen to it over and over and over like the week before I'm, I'm, I'm gonna write a review for it and um there's nothing wrong with that yeah so I'll get to the Dwayne album <laughs> oh I promise whoever's writing to the Metal Pigeon hold your horses it's coming it, it will happen so, um, describe to me this band that we heard before, Agalock. Oh, yeah, well, speaking of summer, <clears throat> High Spirits, Perfect Summer Jams. That's my, I hate when that happens. That's you, my tagline. All you want to do is get your alcohol, and it's, like, too high for you to get? High Spirits. Uh, uh, they're, uh, they're, a, they're basically a one-man band from Chicago. This guy named Chris Black should be familiar to a lot of people because he's the drummer in Pharaoh who released Bury the Light in 2012, one of the most awesome traditional metal albums we've, we've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, he is the main guy in Dawnbringer, who released a, a great album that same year as well, and he pretty much does um, all the songwriting, all the vocals for that band. High Spirits is different. He does everything on the album. He drums, plays bass, does guitars, does vocals, does guitar overdubs, everything. He does take the band out live, and he gets some session, you know, some friends of his session musicians or whatever to come help him uh, put on shows. But the albums are just a hundred percent Chris Black, and it's sort of like his love letter to, you know, classic rock music that he grew up listening to, like Scorpions and UFO, and and like you know, kind of a little dash of new wave of British heavy metal in there, but some thin, you know, major Thin Lizzy influence. It's not metal. I mean, it's it's definitely not metal, but it's. It's that sort of fuzzy gray area where rock and metal meet. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that sort of hard rock area, and he's got such a Scorpions vibe on these things. And he released an album a couple of years ago called Another Night. It's such a fun album. And There's the album cover, the album cover is great. You, you said it was done in MS Paint, really? Oh yeah, the, the, for the new album, the the album cover was. Uh, it's like a. It's like when you look at a like a bus map, like a, at a bus uh, stop. And it's just, yeah, it's just this really cool, simple album cover done in MS Paint. <laughs> um, really kind of bucking the trend of overcomplicated album covers. And th- th- actually, speaking of great album covers, the one he, the, al- the the High Spirits album before this one, was just a simple picture of Chicago 
with like a little neon splash to it and an 80s looking high spirits logo with like another night the actual album title written in neon cursive lettering just kind of splashed across the cover and it was such a cool retro looking thing and i know that there's probably a lot of people who are thinking oh retro metal like ah, that's just like a trend i agree it is a trend but this is not really in that same category it's not um it's not thrash metal. It's not thrash retro metal. And he's not trying to recreate 1983. He's trying he's not to not trying to be Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, he's just trying to make good music now that is you know that happens to be very um, touched by all those influences. But it's definitely music that uh, that is like ah, uh, this is this this feels like right now. It's um, just good, and it's just it's not even it's not really uh, it's not jokey, but it's not serious either. It's just good summer rock music and it's it's like a it's like an antidote if you've been listening to the Agalock album for example yeah you need something to cleanse your palate and the high spirits does the trick that's why i placed the uh, high spirits right between sonata arctica and uh, Agalock on this episode because <laughs> use it as a palate cleanser yeah so yeah so that whole set was a uh, picked out by Sean here, the, the Metal Pigeon. Thanks for uh, bringing some of those tracks to my attention. I have never heard them before. Yeah. That High Spirits, I've never heard it before until you mentioned it. Yeah, the, uh, a guy, a writer from Invisible Oranges tipped me off to that uh, personally, which was uh, really cool of him. Joseph Schaefer, really great writer for uh, Invisible Oranges, which is um, I disagree with him, a lot of their opinions sometimes, but that is one of the finest metal sites out there, if you haven't checked it out. Besides MetalGeeks.net. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah, and we'll get to that later. Definitely, we have some news and some information going on. So um, let's get to our next set of music here. This is a band that's been touring their asses off forever, and they have a brand new album that is coming out uh, probably the week of this this episode is released. Constricting Rage of the Merciless is the brand new album <laughs> from New Orleans Sludge Metal Masters Goat Horror. Yeah, the, the the track that we're about to play that it does not sound sludgy at all. It sounds no. fierce. Yeah, I mean, uh, I recently got to interview these guys when they were here, um, maybe for a documentary or something like that. I don't know <laughs> what I can say, but yeah, um, these guys always put on a fucking great show. Their their music is it all. You can tell when you're listening to Goat Horror. It has a certain style. It has st- certain production to it. I can't say enough good things about this band. Yeah, my my biggest memory of Goat Horror is how much my uh, friend Bill, who's uh, I think he's in the army now. I haven't talked to him in a, in a while, but uh, he loved this band, and and my exposure to Goat Horror was a hundred percent through Bill. So uh, if he ever gets to hear this, uh, t- a hat tip to to old old Billy. Good on you, Bill. The first, my first experience with Goat Horror was when they are opening up for Ancient. This is oh wow, a long time ago at the uh, the Vat, well, maybe the Vatican. No, I can't remember where it was in Houston. And when I recently ran into Ben and was talking to him, Ben Falgust, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I have video of of that show somewhere around my house, and <laughs> he's never seen that show, man." Oh, that's cool. I gotta I gotta figure out how to get that off of the. Uh, it's an old VHSC tape that I used to record on, and turn, and somehow convert that into a digital file so I can get it over to him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the first time I ever experienced Goat Horror. This is. I gotta say it was like 97, 98, something like that, man. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah, long time ago. 
So let's get into something that's uh, brand new from 2014. Here's Bearing Teeth for Revolt from Goat Horror.
we just heard something from the brand new Steel Prophet album called Omniscient. The track we heard was 666 is everywhere. The heavy metal blues. <laughs> oh yeah. Can't get a, you can't get a cooler title than that, man. Uh you know episode 666 from In Flames comes to mind. Yeah, but that's In Flames. That doesn't count. <laughs> Don't make me go there. Yeah, uh, brand new album from Steel Prophet. It's, uh, it's been a while, man. It's our, the last album came out, I don't know, 2004 was their last real album. Jesus. They had a couple of compilations after that. That's but, Winter Sun esque. Yeah, right? So, um, yeah, they got, you know, I'm really digging this album. Uh, Rick Messiason's back on vocals. It's 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 really killer traditional power metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I like the cover I mean, too. I've always dug their you know the, their covers. And another album I need to get on. So yeah, check out the brand new Steel Prophet um, available on Cruz del Sord Music right now. We need a little ding music every time we like do that. Ding. That label is putting out so much good stuff. Fuck yeah, man! You mentioned uh, our one of our, I guess, 2012 best of was the Pharaoh album. That was on. Yeah. Cruise oh yeah, time. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for high quality traditional heavy metal, look no further than Cruise del Sur. Not sponsoring the show at all. Yeah. And if you're looking for high quality H2O, I know where to get that too. Your kitchen faucet. <laughs> no. Not, not even quite. Our refrigerator. Oh. All right. That's not metal at all. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the band we heard. We heard before Steel Prophet was a band that is from Texas. They're called Humut Tabal. H U M U T T A B A L. They're from Dripping Springs, Texas, in the <laughs> Valley area. What a ridiculous town name. Yeah. What does Humut Tabal mean anyway? Glad you asked that. I have that answer right here. Oh, I didn't think you were actually going to have the answer. I was he, just kind of... Humut Tabal is a Sumerian deity who ferries souls to the land of the dead. Oh, uh, that sounds good. You that's, know, that's brutal. I, I like saw that. these guys live. Um, yeah. I think it was in San Antonio. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm getting my... my but I know I saw them because uh, our friend's band played with them. Or opened for them, rather. But um, uh, they were impressive live. Yeah, and they, they are, dude. Um... This is their second full length. Their first one came out in 2009. They had a bunch of different um, compilations and splits and stuff that were actually out on the record label that my former co-host of this very show started, Dreadlayer Records. That's that's where I first got into these guys and started seeing them live a lot, in, around, especially around the Houston area. Um, but yeah, it's... If you're looking for um, thrashy, rocky, black metal that they're not afraid to try different styles, you're really going to dig this album. The album is called The Dark Emperor of the Shadow Realm. That's O-V, because they're the true cult. True cult. K-V-L-T. It really did sound good. Just fierce. Yes. I mean, yeah. It, it's They're not afraid to try to throw different things in the black metal pot you know what I mean yeah so yeah definitely check these guys out and we will try to link to them on our website which is located at metalgeeks.net or msrcast.com we'll take you both to the same places so yeah 
What did we hear before he went to ball? A goat whore? That's right. Bearing teeth were revolt? That, it, you know, the last time I listened to a, 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 an older goat whore album was probably a few years ago, but, uh, the new album's production values, it's, they've, they've sort of done a dark throne. They've, they've upgraded, haven't they? It yeah, sounded but, like it. I will, I've always liked the production style. They've always had that certain je ne sais quoi to their style. Yeah. You, you always knew just enough dirt, but but still they have the kind of clarity that those riffs you know need. Yeah. It's not it's not muddled or, or muddy or anything like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's goat whore man. Yeah, and now I would now I need we now need a new swollen green album to come out soon. Well, oh, you just reminded me. I was I was thinking about this. The um, July Fourth yes. uh, in England, there was a festival. Um, Black Sabbath headlined, and they had uh, uh, Motorhead there, and some other. I think Soundgarden even played. But anyway, all those guys aside, Faith No More played a show. They've been back since two thousand nine. They've they debuted for the for the first time since nineteen ninety seven. They played new music, and it's um, two new songs. Uh, it's hard to tell. They have some YouTube clips up that the fans took at the festival. I'm going to have to watch it, yeah. They, it's hard to tell much from the songs, but they're very aggressive, and they have some interesting vocal moments with Roddy Bottom and, and Mike Patton kind of trading really? vocals. And I'm like, just so, first of all, shocked that they actually did new music. They they swore they would never do that. Yeah, they did. Let me let me, let me stop you right before. How did Soil and Green lead into a brand new Face No More? Because you talked about how Soylent Green hadn't put out new music in a while. Oh. Am I remembering? I, I'm just trying to see how your brain got to there. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I am a huge Face No More fan. Yeah. They've always been I don't. Of, I don't know a person that hates Faith No More, put it that no, way. No, yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, they've, no matter what kind of music you're into, you're, you're, you're going to be a fan of the band. Yeah. So you know, even if you just, don't admit it, <laughs> just yeah, well, just I mean, ah, man, that, that I, I can't tell you how how important that band was for me growing up, like yeah. uh, especially around like the late '90s and uh, and especially in the year 2000 itself. <laughs> I listened to that band just nonstop. I mean, Angel Dust, King for a Day, uh, yeah. Album of the Year. I I even loved Album for a Year, which which a lot of people were sort of down on. But um, see, I'm all, I'm much older than you, so. I was there when the real thing came out. I was I was there when it hit. I oh, great album. The real thing is a great album, but it's but you know in my in the the Faith No More pantheon for me, it's always been like the Angel Dust period was like their peak. Like that album, mm-hmm. the shows around that album. Remember they were supporting Metallica and Guns N' Roses at the time, and and blowing those guys off stage. In my opinion. Oh yeah, I, you know I was at that show. Well, I believe it was. You know, Face No More open, and it was Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Yeah. It was at the Astrodome here. Oh, in man. Oh, my God. Oh, the Ast. Well, how, how was the sound? <laughs> pretty, pretty pretty tinny? Pretty horrid. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, like, the song would, like, go around the room. You can hear yeah. it. Start here, and it would just travel all the way around. Uh, the but it Astrodome. was a good show, man. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. What well, year was it? It was, like, 90, 92. 92? God. But, but, you know, just, just the idea that... Because Faith No More, they were always a band that... They were just weird enough to yeah. not be in the in the sort of, even though they were, they were a popular metal band, they were never like 
in the mainstream metal bands of just like, oh yeah, they're just a they're just a great metal band, dude. Like they're right. always just kind of weird, and if you paid attention enough, you'd be like, there's something off about these guys. Whether it was like the music video for for Be Aggressive or uh, just the weirdness of like them doing like all of a sudden like really slick sounding jazz on King for a Day, you know, like that song Evidence, mm-hmm. and the video was so slick, and then. I don't you know. They cover Lionel Richie, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They covered Easy, and then there's just their music videos were really uh, arty and and very like non-metal ish. They were, yeah. uh, which is kind of a you know to their benefit. They were, I mean, people. Some people long for the whole real thing era because they they miss Jim Martin um, on guitar, and you know he was the big metal link in that band. And once he went away. After Angel Dust, people a lot of people feel like something something changed I, in that band. But I just saw bootleg video of him jamming with Infectious Grooves recently. Oh, that's cool. That was pretty awesome, man. He the the big thing on Jim Martin is that he's like a championship pumpkin grower. <laughs> what? Yeah, he grows these enormous pumpkins out in like Eugene, California, or, or Oregon, or something like that, and he uh, he goes and takes them to contests and win, you know like gets championships and stuff that's like his his jam basically um all right <laughs> yeah okay. but but anyway good on you Jim Martin new new faith no more just the fact that they have two new songs out maybe they'll maybe they'll put an album together again i i've never been a fan of bands debuting unreleased new music live and especially in a festival situation yeah. i just don't think there's a point to it but in this case i'll i'll let it slide and just be like okay i'm just glad to hear that there's like the possibility of a new single or a new EP or a new album, they haven't even said, they haven't even commented on the fact that they've had new music played a couple of days ago. But um, the fact that it happened is yeah, that had me so pumped up. I, I was just like enthralled when I saw that news. But you know who just put out a brand new album? The next band on our playlist. Yes. Who is that? Sabaton. Who? Sabaton. I've never heard of these guys before. Are they any good? Sabaton is great. And uh, we Sabaton, just, oh, I, God. I just saw them, and you were there <laughs> <laughs> in in what April? Yep. Late April, opening for Ice Earth. That's right. They they blew they Ice blew Earth off the stage. Yeah, blew them off the stage, and and I say that. Um, oh, awesomest thing happened! I don't even think I told you about this. I I literally we literally ran into Stu Block behind the venue. Yeah. By the grilled cheese truck that was oddly parked behind the freaking venue. Right, I saw that. Like, there's the line of people outside wanting to meet Flora Jansen and and Iced Earth and Sabaton were just in their bus. They were just like, ah, we're done for the night. But after the show, like, you know, Flora Jansen, Nightwish front woman, revamp front woman, was out there signing autographs and being very friendly, which is... um, uh, interesting, considering her letter that her open letter that she recently posted, which was very unusual, where she was talking about how she's being perceived as a bitch for being mean to fans. She certainly didn't come off that way to me. No, but, uh, no. Um, yeah, that that was very strange. I, I I wrote a little piece on it on on the Metal Pigeon blog if anyone was interested. But uh, I um, anyway, so we're like we're about to leave because. Uh, my buddy Jason wants to meet John Schaefer, and it's very clear that John Schaefer's not coming out of the bus. Fair enough. And 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 now that you know he's canceled the tour dates because he has to have neck surgery, it's very understandable. He was probably in a lot of pain. Yeah, he didn't move around that, that much. That he did not move. He not. He, I don't think he. Yeah, he wasn't even like head swiveling or anything like that. No. So um, anyway, so we're turning around to go home, and then I notice this food truck in the back, and I'm like, oh, a food truck in the alleyway behind the venue. 
very unusual place for a food truck to very be. Very safe. Let's go check it out. Like, very uh, non-conducive to customers. And we go up there and we talk to the guy and we ask him what the, you know, what the deal is with parking behind the venue. And I turn around after I place my order and I see in the backstage area this fenced out place where you can smoke cigarettes. I see Stu Block out there. Just kind of like by himself hanging around. He sees me looking at him. And he and I and I kind of he sees the look of recognition in my face, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I guess I got to go talk to this guy. All right, so he he walks on over, and I'm like, and I elbow Jason really hard in the ribs. I'm like, look, it's Stu Block. Jason freaks out, and uh, he gets a picture with him. We talk with Stu Block for a while, and and he even orders food with us, and like we're sitting around eating grilled cheese sandwiches from this food truck with Stu Block. It was kind of kind of cool. I mean, I don't normally get. Uh, you know, too jazzed up about me, yeah, starstruck or anything. But yeah. it was one of those moments where it's like, this is cool. We just saw you rock on stage, and now we're eating grilled cheese. I never thought this would happen. You know, you never know where night where your night's going to take you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Abaton um, just put a brand new album out called Heroes. Again, uh, produced by Peter Tactron. Um, such a good album. It is good, but it's it's not as good as the last album, in my opinion. There's a great tracks on it, but. That's, I a, that's fair. I, think. I don't. I don't. Not saying that the songs are bad because Sabaton has become one of my favorite bands in the past five years, and I just think if maybe the track listing was different on the album, I, would, I might enjoy it better. Huh. I, I don't know what it is. That's interesting. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this for Careless Rex: it was such a a, a brave step forward for them to be very. Yeah. Symphonic and very grandiose, and it, it fit the theme of the album. And there's some terrific songs in that album. There's also some of the songs that didn't work for me in Careless Rex, but almost every song on Heroes, the new album works. The and ballad takes takes a getting a little getting used to on this. Oh, one. I love the ballad. You know, you know, the ballad reminds me of. Um, this isn't a sound totally uh, random, but the ballad reminds me of the soundtrack for Bioshock Infinite because it's because <laughs> really? it's. It, because yeah, because Bioshock Infinite uses a lot of like, you know, pastiche music pieces to kind of like yeah. recall that time period it's trying to recall, and, and the way that they have the piano in the in the ballad, um, it's uh, the song that's dedicated to uh, um, this guy who was like a he was like a, an Australian uh, paramedic, and he went up the, this hill to rescue these American soldiers under withering fire, and it's a really great. Song. Yeah, the ballad of bull. Uh, yeah, bull. Yeah, and um, and the, just the the way the piano is so gorgeously processional. It's very like processional is the key word there. It's very ornate and very like lush and fluid. Yeah, I, no, I'm not saying anything bad about the music. Is just you, you know, Joachim's vocals don't are really conducive to a oh, ballady type song. No, agreed. But there, he has done ballads before. They are his vocals are the, that part that is like the sticking point. But if you can, if you can sort of, I guess mentally just sort of get around that, and just sort of go, okay, these are it. This is like oil and water, but somehow it still works. Like the music is, especially in this song, the music so gorgeous and the piano is so processional. That it reminds me of like the nineteen forties during World War Two. Like, and maybe that's an inaccurate comparison. But, you know, just like I wasn't alive during the 1940s, that's sort of what I imagine piano music might have sounded <laughs> like, you know? And I, I, I appreciate the fact that they, that they went for a sound that was not modern. They went for like an old-timey type sound. Like, oh, this is some piano ballad from like the Cole Porter era or something, you know? Sure. And, um, I know that's not the Cole Porter era. Don't, don't tweet in or anything like that. <laughs> but, 
Um, no, if you have any complaints, or yeah. his email is. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I love that ballad and I the album. This song, okay, let's just focus on this song first. Resist and Bite is such a, just a oh, brutal song, and I love it. Has, I love, it has bite to it. Yeah, it has It has the actual bite to it. <laughs> I, when, I, when, I, when I play the song in the car, I speed up, and that to me is always that, that sort of, that, that defining factor, that's that X factor for a song. It's like, it makes me drive faster. It pumps me up, it just... It, I can be going to work and be like the most calm guy ever, and I and I, the song comes on and I just get very like adrenalized, like ah, it, it, it's a rallying cry song, and and the album's full of them, and and I I love the theme of the album. Yeah, I mean the album. Of course, if you've never heard a Sabaton album, they write songs about war heroes and different war events, all of all, all different kinds: World War Two, World yeah. War One. Um, this has a lot of World War Two. Involved in this album, but but you know the interesting thing about this album, it it's called Heroes, but when you really look down to the lyrics and the the themes of what each of these songs is talking about, most of the songs in the album, in fact, I would say almost all of the songs in the album are about heroes who did acts of nonviolence, and that to me is like very unusual for Sabaton, where they're you know most of the time it's all about you know the the clash of battle and stuff in right. the past albums. This album was very much like. A humanitarian bent to it where there's a song on there um about uh a, you know that that whole uh u.s pilot that that ended up in german airspace and he was his plane was uh you know heavily damaged and it was you know very obvious that this guy couldn't attack anyone and this german pilot uh you know defied his uh you know nation-born duty to to shoot this plane out of the sky and escorted them back to British airspace and and they wrote a song about that and they, and it's a very uh heroic sounding song and it's and the album's just full of those things like a song dedicated to Audie Murphy and yeah yeah um and and that one's just more about like the character of Audie Murphy himself or the 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 myth behind him but most of the songs are about um and that's one of the most to me, the most the most catchy songs on the album. Yeah, that was that was a great one. The the closing song too is very interesting lyrically because it's it's a it's potential powder keg because it's controversial in the sense that it's a song about the end of the war, World War Two, about what the German army did on the eastern flank of Berlin, how they basically they had all these towns and stuff, these villages and these civilian populations they had to. It was their duty to protect against the Russian army who was encircling them. And so these guys basically fought to create a barrier to get all these civilians out to the West. And so the song is about the heroism of the Nazi army in that moment of, like, we know the war is lost. None of that matters. All that matters is protecting these innocent people. Speaking of uh, World War II and Nazis, I watched the The Monuments Men movie today. Oh, yeah? That was actually pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've heard good things about that. Yeah. But... That's near near here or there. That's not very metal. I, I just think it was... I, I, I wrote it in my review. I think that Sabaton doesn't get enough uh, credit on this new album for the fact that they're... You know, they're, 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 they're a band that's built on songs about glorifying battles and war and violent actions, and they actually wrote an album that's, that's about the, the glory of nonviolent actions and heroism in the face of... Uh, 
of extreme terror. And this is the first album uh, featuring actual the the oh the, the new guys the musicianship yeah. of the brand new yeah. version of Sabaton. And they didn't lose a step. The new guys no. just fell in place. Great guitar work, really inspired stuff. On Resist and Bite, you can you you'll pretty much get a good sense of what you're going to expect. So let's let's let everybody uh, hear the brand new Sabaton. This is yeah. from get into it. Yeah, this is from the album Heroes, and you will think it's later. Coming swiftly, the board is closing in. We're a company of soldiers, they're 40 right to strong. All alone, stand alone. And then the drums burning, and rumble is at hand. As the blitzkrieg's pushing harder, the war is all around. All alone, hold your ground. Fighting, the numbers will still count. We're outgunned and few in numbers. We're doomed to flag and fail. We fought hard, held our ground. But when captured by the excess and forced to tell the truth, we will tell it with a smile. We will surprise them with a laugh. We are.
Alright guys, we are back to uh, MSRCast and we just heard our last song of the evening. Uh, the band is Falconer, the song is at the Jester's Ball, and the album is called Black Moon Rising, and I have not heard this album yet. Um, this is the first Falconer album, first English language Falconer album since 2008. They released an album called Armad in 2011, but it was all in Swedish. Great, It was, it was a good album, it, was, it had some great tracks on there. But it was all in Swedish, and you know, look, I mean, as good as that can be, there's only so much as an English language speaker you can enjoy that kind of stu- uh, yep. thing, you know. And and so this was really the true sequel to 2008's uh, Among Beggars and Thieves. Of course, um, any, if anyone hasn't been following the band, they'll know that uh, Matthias Blad is back in the vocal slot. He's been back since uh, 2006 when they released Northwind, which was a freaking classic album. Uh, this new album... Uh, the backstory behind it, the press release that came out a couple months ago, is interesting because uh, the band leader and songwriter and guitarist Stefan uh, Weinerhall he said um, in the press release that yeah, the band was actually about to break up like two years ago, and uh, that uh, he was thinking about retiring from music. And it's like, whoa, whoa, where is that coming from? So uh, he does some interviews recently in the past month, and as it turns out, what actually happened was he had some deaths in the family and uh, some personal oh, right. tragedies, and he was very like on the fence about like it was it kind of oh, the the personal things happened all at once, and he was like oh, I don't even want to continue with music anymore, and then he gave it some time, and then after a while he got that kind of hunger back to like no this is you know I need to be doing this and. And he said that he went back and he listened to like the first couple Falconer albums and like old classics that you know like Maiden and Accept and whatever, and he got the fire back into him. And so he wrote an album, uh, reconvened the band, and they 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 did it. And the, the thing is, you know, the, the big thing that he's keen on this on this album is that it's the most aggressive Falconer album, and it is the most aggressive Falconer album. These songs are heavy. There's some double bass. There's some black metal type stuff uh, going on there musically. Really? Of course, Matthias Blatt is not a metal vocalist. He's a theater. He's a professional theater vocalist who sings, you know, theater stuff, Jesus Christ Superstar type stuff. Um, but he's look, Matthias Blatt is one of the best vocalists in metal, and if you can't understand that, that's unfortunate. Um, Falconer, this is the first time they've actually sort of misstepped on an album with Matthias Blad though because it's it's a good album it's not a great album and what you're used to with Matthias Blad and Falconer is just greatness 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 mm-hmm. and it's sort of unfortunate and I think the reason why and I've keyed in on this is that he came, you know Stefan Weinerhol came back he wrote these songs and they're very aggressive and he said he wanted to write aggressive material just to show people that they were back and it's like yeah, but when you do that, your aggressiveness is overriding all the other stuff that makes the band great. So he was just doing it because he could. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and there's and at the Jester's Ball is one of the rare exceptions on this album. This, the it's it's a song that is uh, very um, uh, classically Falconer in the sense that it has a lot of elements to it. It's not just over the top heavy. It's it's got. Um, some real nice musical elements. In fact, the way the chorus kind of waltzes along is very reminiscent of the title and the lyrics of the song. And um, the rest of the album, you know, there's there's moments on there where I just feel like, ah, you just had to tame back the heaviness a little bit and get more musical. Like, the the classic Falconer albums, the, the debut and chapters from A Veil Forlorn and Northwind, the best things about those albums was were, were the fact that they had variety 
and that heaviness was was involved, but it was mainly it was like a spice. It wasn't the main ingredient. Gotcha. And that's the big thing with falconry. It was the first time I've ever written a metal review in ever where I've said that this album would be better by not being as heavy. It's the first time I ever had to write that sentence. <laughs> it was weird, but uh, it's true. I'm gonna have to check out the album in its entirety and I'll let you, and let you know my opinion. After it, it's that. worth listening. Every Falconer album, except for the ones without Matthias, are are worth listening to. So, so um, I know most of the stuff we played on this episode is all been brand new, uh, but I had to go back to my to my youth. Um, I was a huge fan of this band that we just heard before, Falconer band called Ludacrist, who, um, if you don't know the story of Ludacrist, they, after they broke up, they put out two albums. Um, they put out Immaculate Deception, and then they put out uh, an album called Power Trip. And after that, they formed the band that turned into Scatterbrain. Do you remember that band at all? Uh-uh, no. Well, see, I, you make me feel old now. <laughs> um, the lead singer's name is a guy named Tommy Christ. Uh, Glenn Cummings in the band, um... You know, they don't really put out two albums, but Scatterbrain was the band that came out after that. Um, Immaculate Deception was a great album, and uh, both of the, both those albums have just been re-released for. They've been out of print for a long time, um, but they they uh, Ludacris, you know, they they. Mixed together, melded together, traditional hardcore, heavy metal, uh, jazz, a uh, lot of guitar solo stuff, musical interludes, a little bit of rap on their first album, which was a little strange. But the song that I picked out was the rapper Ludacris. It, it was not Ludacris. It was <laughs> Ludacrist. <laughs> um, <laughs> very good. Uh, but you know, I did pick out one of the songs that um, you know I grew up listening to a lot was since I was a Monkees fan already and I've, I mean, I have no qualms about mentioning that on the show you guys no. know that no, um, nor nor should you nor should I they they did a cover of Last Train in Clarksville which was really really cool they also did a version of Green Eggs and Ham they took the the Dr. Seuss story and made a song out of it mm. that's where the rapping is involved that's so cool I decided I couldn't play that just because of the rap aspect but I'll play it for you later after we record it yeah but yeah, uh, go out and check out uh, the, both Ludacrist albums. They're they're fucking great, man. Great combination of hardcore and where heavy metal crossover meet. If you like DRI and that kind of stuff, you're gonna really dig this stuff. And they had that like that comedic aspect that Scatterbrain continued on with. So not everything was so serious. You know what I mean? Fair. So uh, speaking of a really serious band. Sabaton. Sabaton. Yeah. Get, just just get that album. It's it's gonna be. Uh, if you want to be a hero to all your, your your fellow metal fans and your friends, I was I was trying to avoid the pun. I'm going straight for the pun, dude. I couldn't resist it, so I. No, yeah. I, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be my top five. I don't see a way around it. It's weird, you know, because you were just you were talking about the the whole mid-year thing and now I'm like an idiot I'm thinking about the mid-year things right yeah like oh what would be my number one album right now and I'm, I'm a little disappointed to say that it's not uh, it's, it's not the Insomnium album which I which I oh. enjoy yeah um, so We're, let's get into that I did an interview with Insomnium very, quite recently and that will probably be one of the next couple episodes of this show right here MSRcast 
Um, I have an episode of Insomnium ready to go. I have an episode with Inasima before the albums came out, too. So it's a little weird. And I did a, a, a lengthy, great interview with Steve Vitra Souza uh, probably about two months ago now. And, and it's just haven't had been the right time to release it. Now is the right time to release it because Steve Zetro is now officially lead singer again of Exodus. Back in the band. Back in black, man. That, that you know, have, did you read that story about how they got rid of that other singer? D- they just. I, he said it was like a thirty-second conversation, like on the phone. Was it a phone call? That that's. At least it wasn't an email. That sucks. <laughs> that's. But hey, how's it going, Rob? By the way, you're fired. That really does suck. Your friends, Exodus. Yeah, your <laughs> friends. All right. I'm looking forward to seeing Zetro back in the band, man. No, it's it's obviously a popular move. Everyone's all for it, but eh, that kind of sucks. When I did the interview with him, I was like, "So, would you ever go back to Exodus?" And he said, "In a fucking heartbeat." Yeah, and he did. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna have to release that that interview, man. I That's mean, like asking really Blaze good. Bailey if he'd ever go back to Iron Maiden. He'd be, he'd be yeah. dumb not to, man. He's stupid not to. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, just I know we didn't play them in this episode, and we'll, I think maybe we'll include them later. Um, the Insomnium, yeah, album. But, I, I didn't play him because with the interview episode coming up, we're going to play be playing a lot of yeah. music from it. So. Um, it's a good album. It is good. It really it, is. I, I think Insomnium is incapable of writing a bad album. But here's you know, it's it's one of those things. They had, um, uh, against the Weeping World, across the dark, and one for sorrow. Three, just absolutely great albums one two three in a row since 2006 yeah and they were they were due for a not great album no no don't say that no i mean it's just the law of averages it's just it's just like well you know you're you can't you're not gonna swing you're not gonna bat a thousand and uh Uh, okay fair enough i will say this is not definitely my favorite insomnium album there's There's just there's some really good tracks on it but it does I, I see where I see where you're going. L- it lose flow to, together lose well. tonight is my lose tonight is the best song on that album. I love that song. It's one of the best insomnia songs they've ever written. But there's just other parts in the album where I'm like, okay, I, I enjoy it when I have it on in the background and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is great. When I actually sit down and focus on it, there's parts of the songs that sort of like I get, I just sort of they lose me and they lose my attention span. And I'm like, that's ah, not usual for insomnia. That's weird. Right, but I, I mean, again, we're going to see how I feel at the end of the year, and you know, it, things could change. I mean, maybe it's just the wrong season to listen to the album. I don't know. I I listened to the crap out of that album. I'll say it. I, I think I listened to that like fifty times already. You're in your summer mood. My yeah. yeah, like I look at my iTunes play accounts. I use iTunes, <laughs> and I see the the numbers on on the side of each of these tracks. And I swear that Insomnium album, like the songs, those numbers are like at sixty one, sixty three, sixty you know four, or whatever. And it's like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna try to get that to a hundred. <laughs> well. We look forward to uh, having a lot, lot more episodes out. I really want to apologize for the delay between episodes. Um, we have a lot of stuff working in the background here. Websites coming along great, man. www.metalgeeks.net, where we're going to have all of our heavy metal stuff. We're going to have all, you know, MSR cast stuff will be all over there. But then again, with the other show that we have, the Metal Geeks podcast. We're going to have all the comic book stuff, all the movie stuff, all the science fiction, geeky, video game stuff, all one place for you to go to. Don't be afraid to be a heavy metal dude that's into geeky stuff, because we're fucking out there, man. 
yeah, and, and get involved in, in you know, like if you like the episode or you don't like the episode, just let us know. Yes, you can send tweet, us an email. Tweet at us. Yeah, tweet us at MSRcast or whatever your Twitter Twitter is. Oh, um, that is the uh, at the, the Twitter the Metal Pigeon. The Metal Pigeon at yeah. on Twitter. MSR MSRcast on Twitter. You can find us on the web msrcast.com metalgeeks.net or themetalpigeon.com is where you can find the Metal Pigeon over here. Uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Metal Geeks, and MSRcast. It's all one big happy heavy metal family. If, I, if I took pictures, I would do Instagram. I, I like looking at other people's Instagrams. I just don't ever take pictures. I don't like being in pictures. I don't like taking pictures. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> the, the Metal Pigeon is a reclusive bird. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, we're going to have Sean come on many more times on MSRCast. Um, we look forward to having you guys back. We look forward to having me back. And we look forward to having Sean back. Fair. Stop saying fair. <laughs> it's great. It's good. So, um, <laughs> is that is that every place everybody can get a hold of you? Um... Yeah, Twitter's the easiest way, but I also uh, check my email um, all the time now. Uh, at gmail.com. I finally figured out how to get it on my uh, freaking mobile phone. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, so I'm not missing emails anymore. Right, if you need to email us, if you have a request, or if you want to uh, just make any kind of comment, msrcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks to the Metal Pigeon for uh, coming on to yep. the show again. And Thank you. Give, you know, giving us his his great insight between for all these songs, man. Thank you. And we it was will, fun. We will see you guys next time. Guess what? One more thing. Stay metal. Keep it metal. Keep it metal. Exactly. Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved. Blah 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit msrcast.com. Metal or die! Let's get to metal all the time! Yeah!